Web 2.0. Innovation. Trend. Collaboration. Software. Got the world turning as fast as it can? Hear how technology can help, legally speaking, with two of the top legal technology experts, authors, and lawyers, Dennis Kennedy and Tom Mile. Welcome to the Kennedy Mile Report here on the Legal Talk Network. And welcome to episode 59 of the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Dennis Kennedy in St. Louis. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. In the last podcast, we looked at Apple's iCloud. In this episode, we return once again to the world of social media and wanted to take a non-traditional look at social media and the expectations lawyers might have about using social media. Tom, do you want to tell them what we'll be talking about in this episode? Sure, Dennis. In this edition of the Kennedy Mall Report, I wouldn't call it a non-traditional look. I would say that we're going to take a very traditional look at social media and whether it's only useful to lawyers as a marketing tool. In our second segment, we'll answer a listener question on cloud storage. And as usual, we'll end with our parting shots, that one tip website or observation that you can start to use the second this podcast is over. But on to our first segment, and that's social media. Dennis, we see people on Twitter or other social media sites who are regularly proclaiming how lawyers need to learn how to use all these tools because it's the best, and maybe some of them are saying it's the only tool that you need to develop business. If you're not online, then you don't exist. Uh, it's, it's, I think, overwhelming sometimes what I can see in terms of the marketing for, for social media gurus and things like that. Dennis, what do you really think about this focus on social media for marketing purposes only? Well, it's an odd state of affairs, Tom. It's not just on social media, Twitter, blogs, you know, actually paper articles, all sort of suggest that if lawyers aren't marketing on social media, they're nowhere. And I, I, I really kind of struggle with that because, and Tom, if you remember when we started blogging, it was like we were blogging for a while and we were really enjoying it and, and you know, it was everything about it was great. And then all of a sudden people came along and said, you know, blogs are the marketing vehicle for lawyers. And if you're doing any marketing, you have to be a blogger. And by the way, uh, here's exactly how you have to do blogs. And then, I don't know about you, Tom, but I kept reading articles that made me feel like I was doing blogging the wrong way, even though I I was really totally enjoying blogging and it seemed to be successful for me. So I get the same sense with, with social media and I find that I'm using social media just as, as social media and it's, it's striking to me sometimes when I, I see the, the sort of evangelism for, or it's more than evangelism, it's, it's sort of like these directives that lawyers need to use social media for marketing and it's the premier tool. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's taken me aback lately because I, I, I still see social media as a big experiment and I, there's more experimenting to do. I agree. I think that, uh, you know, I, and, and I wonder, I, I don't want to get too cynical. I guess it's, it's easy to get very cynical about some of the social media marketers out there who want to sell you a, a package of, of tools, uh, and things to do. It, it, it almost makes me want to believe that, They've come up with some of these ideas just to be able to gin up business, just to be able to have a business model. Uh, they tell you what you need to do. You know, for example, uh, the the social media folks who say that you need to automatically direct message back anybody who follows you on Twitter. I think that's one of the most annoying things that I get is is we'll get something from a lawyer that I follow on Twitter. Uh, it's an automatic message saying thank you for following me, and uh, if you're interested in any of my services, please do not hesitate to contact me. And that 
that absolutely kills me. I, I don't need that message. I'm following you because I value the information that you're going to give to me. And if I decide that I need business to, to send business your way, then I'm going to make that decision on my own. I, I don't have a problem, really, I guess, with the with the thank you for following me, although I think it's a little unnecessary. It's a little like getting that email from someone that just says thank you. Uh, I think it's a waste of time. I don't think it's all that important. But um, but but I, I don't think that, that things like that are necessary in order for you to be a successful uh, business developer using social media. And I think you're absolutely right. I think that uh, that on the one hand, some of these, quote, rules make it difficult for people to uh, enjoy being on social media and, and enjoy uh, the, the networking with other people and the conversation and the community that you can establish because people are too worried thinking about, here's what I need to do to make sure that I get the business that I need. And, you know, I was watching a video earlier this week where the, the question was asked, how many of, of you have gotten a great case from the internet? And nobody's hand went up. And, and, and I still find that word of, word of mouth referral and those types of things are still better networking tools than some of the social media. But, um, you know, I, I personally think that, that, and the best advice that I've ever gotten and about using social media was just to have a conversation, just to talk to people, you know? I, I, and so that's generally how I tend to use social media is I'll use it to communicate with other people, to share things that I find that are interesting, things in my area of expertise that I think are interesting that other people might want to know about. Uh, I think answering questions is one way to participate in social media without being an obvious marketer. Uh, those are ways that I think that by just joining the community and having a conversation, I think that in a way you're marketing by not marketing. Dennis, do you agree with that approach? Well, I, you know, frankly, I have to say that when people say you need to be, you know, in a conversation and responding to things that, that kind of bothers me almost as much as people saying I need to market because um, that's the one thing I really struggle with on uh, social media is the conversation and needing to be totally engaged because I, I actually tend to use social media in a, in a bit different way, in some ways more focused. And for some other uses that we'll, we'll get into in a little bit. But, but that's also, as I've said before, because I'm a writer and I sort of see social media as another channel to put out, uh, you know, my work. And, and so I, I don't necessarily engage in the conversation. And I also tend to be a little bit more one on one in conversation. I realize, um, you know, recently that somebody might direct message me in Twitter, but I'll respond to them, uh, using, you know, uh, instant messaging or perhaps even an email. I, I kind of take it out of the, the Twitter environment. So I, I think I think there are a, a number of different things. But what concerns me a bit, um, in my observations, are we we were talking about sort of prescriptive nature of the advice that you get, um, and then. What I find is, and I'm curious if you find the same thing, Tom, but when I talk to people, lawyers especially about social media, they just really don't have much of an understanding of of what the social media tools are or how they might use them. So if if you and I are feeling like a little bit – 
um, you know, pressed upon when you know, with all the talk about using social media for marketing or as the marketing tool. I, it's really hard for me to imagine the reaction of of lawyers who barely, you know, have created a LinkedIn profile or you know really don't understand how social media is used, you know, in its most basic form. And and I guess Tom, maybe that's we're, we're the difference between uh, you and me and maybe sort of lawyers new to social media is that we've been using a lot of these tools for for a good number of years. So we've seen them develop and we sort of developed our own ways of using them too. You know, I, I guess you and I don't disagree very often, but I, I think I have to disagree with you in terms of the engagement because I think that that's what makes it social media is the idea of engagement. Now, I'm not going online every night and having conversations with people through Twitter or Facebook or whatever means to do that. But if I see a conversation that interests me or that is something that I have something to contribute on, I'll respond. I'll answer a question or if somebody says something on Facebook, I'll add a comment to, to something that somebody has said um, because it is a way to have that conversation. And I think that, you know, if we're, if, if the, the real purpose of this podcast, if what we're talking about today is the idea of, of whether or not social media is, is being, you know, only a marketing tool or is it a, a tool that if you use properly can still have good marketing purposes if, if you're, whether you're following the advice of the social media gurus or not. Uh, you know, if you're just using social media for other reasons, and we can talk about some of these later, you know, competitive intelligence, uh, 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 searching for things, that sort of thing, then maybe we take that, maybe we take that conversation out of this because, because that it has value for lawyers, I think, in one way. But I think that the, the other way to think about it is, is that, that, these tools don't have to be used in the way that, uh, that that the social media gurus say that they need to be used in order for you to benefit in a business development kind of way. And but I but I do believe that that's where the engagement comes from. You have to engage with people in order to, to get that. I, I think that just sending out link after link on on you know articles that I wrote or or articles that I think other people should read from from websites that I find are important. I don't think that in itself is a a tremendously helpful tool, although it might be helpful to the people who get them. I think that there is a mixture of things that that you ought to be doing on social media. But I guess I guess maybe this all comes down under the the heading of just relax on social media. I I, I don't take it seriously. Um, I don't try so hard to do things on social media and send out a barrage of tweets uh, at a conference that you were you're tweeting and don't send out uh, a barrage of messages every morning at seven o'clock to see what you've been doing. Um, be relaxed about it. Send things out when it occurs to you. Send things out when you're viewing what other people are saying and, and it engages you and it interests you and you want to talk about it. Um, I, I, I think you're right. I think that a lot of people don't truly understand how to use these tools, but the I, I, I think I think everybody could benefit from learning better how to use LinkedIn and those types of things. But then we sort of get back into why are we using those parts of LinkedIn if not for marketing purposes, if not for developing uh, business? And, and I think that there are certain parts, to use LinkedIn as an example, that you need to know about. You need to understand what certain areas are in order to, to, to get information, whether you're looking for a job, whether, uh, whether you're looking to hire other people for a job or anything like that. Understanding the tool that you use, I think, is going to be important no matter what you're using that tool for. I've kind of been rambling on for a little bit here, so I guess I'll turn it back to you, Dennis, with a, with a question, and that is, do we want to talk about 
you know, non-marketing ways to use some of these tools that might be useful for lawyers? Yeah, I, I, I think we, we do want to move into that. But I, I, as a follow-up, I want to say that my feeling is that um, I may be using social media really poorly in some ways, but I'm totally okay with that and because to me it's right. an experiment and you're trying to find ways that things might or might not work for you. When I talk about the prescriptive nature of this, and we saw it with blogging too, it's almost like you feel – when you're reading about social media and you have to do this, you have to use Twitter, it's like somebody saying, hey, people who play golf or join the country club get clients. So therefore, every lawyer should, you know, play golf every day or, you know, they should speak in public all the time because that's the way to get clients. And so if you're a poor golfer or you're a poor speaker, obviously that's, obviously that's not going to work. And so if you're, if you're not a writer, blogging isn't going to work for you. Twitter might not work for you for some other reason. And so I think you, you want to say these, because you're reaching an audience, they have this sort of business development potential if it fits you. And, and there is some great advice and there's some examples of people who've done really well with this targeted approach. And I think that, you know, my friend Michelle Golden's uh, new book on uh, social media for sort of uh, professional services people, I forget the exact title, is really a great handbook on how if you really want to in a nuts and bolts way, tr- you know, experiment to see whether this is a, a way to 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 use social media for marketing or business development, you can go that way. But I sort of think, you know, I'm Go back to the basics, like you said, Tom. There's social media. There may be a conversation. There may be a community. There may be some other aspect of it. But if if I if I'm a lawyer and you know this is a way to see grandkids, you know, using Facebook or to get in touch with high school classmates, then that's really cool. That so you should use it for that way and not say, oh my God, I need to be using Facebook for marketing, so I can't you know talk to my old friends or I can't you know pursue interests groups. That's where I think you do – you want to say this is what you know. the 700 million people on Facebook are not all do, doing business development. You know, They're doing these other things. And so you say, does that, make, does that community building make sense to me? Um, and, and then I, I do think, Tom, we might go into to, to some of the ways that we use social media. But for me, I, social media is a lot about combating information overload. You know, I want to find good sources of information – I don't want to spend a lot of time, you know, uh, wasted on search. I want to have information that comes to me. I want to see who people I respect, you know, what what links they send out, those sorts of things. And that's really, I think, an unusual way to think about social media. But that's the way I like it. And I, I see that could have benefit for a lot of lawyers. Well, and, and I think that, you know, what you just said uh, about uh, about not using Facebook to if you if you don't want to use it for business development, you just want to look at, at pictures of kids and grandkids and things like that, that that's perfectly OK. I think, though, that, that one of the issues that we probably sh- should talk about at some point is the idea of ROI, because I think that any lawyer that I talk to in my line of business. And when I talk to them about the types of things that I think are important for law firms and companies to think about, one of their first questions is, what's the return on investment for me? Why do I want to invest this time or this money in doing it? And I think that that's what a lot of lawyers ask themselves. Why do I want to be involved in social media if there's no return on investment? And I think I'll, 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 I'll 
push that back to you for an answer after I'm done here talking. Maybe no, I, I was going to say I, I have the answer, answer right now. Go ahead. Yeah, because I, I have an answer to that. This is the one I always give. I say I take the time out of time I would otherwise be watching TV. And so if you take a little bit of time, the time you're otherwise watching TV or the other things where, that you do in your non-work world, um, you, you're going to have plenty of time to experiment with these things. And so I, it's not like you're saying, oh, my God, I'm taking an hour of billable time. You're really saying I'm going to watch one less TV show a week and I can get up to speed and, and use you know, the Internet better and social media better. That's, that's my answer. Well, and I think that's that's my answer too. That's <laughs> unfortunately that's not necessarily the best time to be posting to some social media sites because everybody else who does it during the day has gone home for the night. But uh, I also do do participate in social media during the day, but not on a regular basis. I'll do it during a break. I'll do it sometimes during lunch. I'll take you know five minutes here and see what's going on in different places and see if there's any conversation worth joining or seeing if anybody's said anything interesting that I want to use. Um, I agree with that. I think that I think that making that argument to people um, who are busy lawyers, who uh, I think that 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 is a difficult argument to make and will continue to be a difficult argument to make. But I still go back to my original advice, which is relax about all this social media stuff, and I think you'll do just fine. Now, as far as what we might otherwise use social media for, I think, um, I, I don't necessarily use it to combat information overload, but I do use it to understand what my friends and the people who are important to me think are important. I think it's a way of curating information uh, so that I can get an idea of what other people whose opinions I value think. Um, I, I can ask a question, what's the best, uh, what's the best thing? And, and I will generally, I have to say, and this is probably more information than any of you want to know, but I, I, I get better information from my Facebook friends than from Twitter. I have tried repeatedly to crowdsource questions on Twitter, and I don't get a lot of response. And I don't know if it's the fact that this is sort of a, a river of tweets and that not every tweet gets read and some people are missing them, or if people just don't have a lot to say, but I'm not convinced, I'm not sold on Twitter as a, as a true crowdsourcing or question-asking tool. I, I think Facebook is fantastic for that because you've got people who are very engaged on a more personal level than on Twitter. Um, I also use uh, social media tools for research purposes. I have been looking for, for a long time, a tool. I get lots of tweets with links in them to valuable articles that I want to read that I just don't have time. And I don't want to go back through my Twitter uh, tweets to, to, to all the posts to see what the valuable links are. I used to have a site where I was able to uh, take a look at the tweets that, uh, that, that it, it put them into an RSS feed. It would take all the links that my followers or the people that I followed put uh, and put it into an RSS feed that I could then go back and read at my leisure and look at those links. I thought that was a tremendously valuable research tool because it was links that people I trusted found valuable. I also do the same thing on Facebook and follow links that people post there, but probably not to the same level of uh, uh, that I do on Twitter. Dennis, how are you using it? And, and looking at the time here for this first segment, take us out on your final thoughts on the subject. Yeah, I I think that my thought is that people really need to open up their eyes and expand their horizons as to how you how lawyers might use social media. I mean, to me, I look at I look at Twitter as this great way to keep up with new developments and to get 
real news and especially in targeted areas really quickly. You know, um, there are other ways you can do that through groups and in, in social media and other things like that. So that that new development targeted news aspect of social media, I think, is really underestimated uh, for for lawyers. Competitive intelligence. You can see uh, what other people are doing, what your competitors are doing, what's going on in your industry. Uh, you know, uh, get up to speed on what your competition is doing. It's a great way to learn subject matter. I've, I've said before that when I want to learn a new topic, I go find a podcast where, or especially a recording of a seminar where somebody does an introduction to a topic, um, tremendous networking opportunities. And I, I think there is a marketing aspect. I, I, I think if if one of these social media, to me, it's social media, blogging, those things, one of them is going to feel right to you. And you're going to say, I really get this and I see how I can use this and I'm developing these connections I can work, that work with. And I think there are ways that you can more effectively market using those things if you choose to do that. But I think mainly with social media, it's a notion of presence or visibility. This is people are looking for you in these different social media platforms. And so in a way, you need to be there. And then what you're doing, I see is more an indirect form of marketing. So if you're doing speaking, you might get clients out of, you know, those speaking engagements. But typically, it's not a, you know, a direct type of marketing. You're providing information. People assess you as somebody of, of, of value, and then they might hire you. So it's an indirect form. I think social media uh, plays to that. So it's it's definitely a, a potential marketing platform for some people, but it wouldn't bother me as a lawyer if I said, I don't get social media or why I need to market on it. Um, I, think that's, I think that's a fair conclusion to draw. My concern would be that you say, and is to go further and say, I don't need to be on social media at all because of that, because I think you're really missing a lot of other things. And with 700 million people on Facebook, really, there is a, a gigantic chunk of the world that is that is in social media. And I think it's a place lawyers need to be. I think you're right. I think that each lawyer needs to sort of make a realistic assessment of, of how they need to be engaged, how they need to be involved. And, and it, it's going to depend. It's not going to be a must have for everybody. And, and each lawyer's level of engagement is going to differ depending on, on their practice area and, and how much they want to be involved. Before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick break with a few words from the Legal Talk Network and Clio, online practice management for attorneys at goclio.com. Hi, my name is Kay Kenny from Legal Talk Network, and I'm joined by Jack Newton, president of Clio. Jack is going to talk to us about the benefits of cloud computing. Now, what do you think the single biggest benefit to cloud computing is? In talking to our customers recently uh, about that very question, I was surprised with what came back with as, as a really resounding response, and that was that it's the convenience and the freedom that cloud computing affords them. The ability to get their work done from anywhere, whether it's at their office, at the courthouse, at home, or even if they're on vacation, they're able to get their work done where and when they need to get it done. Uh, the mobile aspect of things is also increasingly important. Well, with cloud-based software, you can access your data and software from your iPhone or your iPad, uh, your BlackBerry, uh, and other mobile devices. So for the uh, lawyers that are on the move, which is an increasing uh, proportion of lawyers, that's a, a really key benefit as well. We've been talking to Jack Newton, president of Clio, 
Thank you so much, Jack. Thank you. And if anyone wants additional information on Clio, they can feel free to visit www.goclio.com. That's G-O-C-L-I-O.com. If you like listening to the Kennedy Mile Report, you might also like the podcast, Law Technology Now on LegalTalkNetwork.com. And welcome back to the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. And we always encourage questions from our audience. And we have a great one today. It's about that popular online service, Dropbox. And it really, uh, the, the questioner says that he wants to use uh, Dropbox, and he gets the concept that he can make changes to to a document, and the, that those changes will be stored in Dropbox and accessible in, in other areas. But he says that makes him wonder if he deletes something in a document, uh, will that change sort of be propagated through all the different places through Dropbox, and will he lose the original version? And so his basic question is, do I understand this well enough? And is is there a better way so I can sort of understand the basic concepts of of uh, a service like Dropbox and how it might work in the simple matter of actually making changes to documents? Tom, I know that you 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 really like Dropbox and and use it. Uh, can you take a stab at answering this question? Well, you know, I have a couple of thoughts about this. I think the first thing to mention is that if and, and and if anybody from Dropbox is listening to this podcast, I'd love a response. I, I wish Dropbox were more communicative with its users. There's a Dropbox blog and they do post infrequently, maybe once or twice a month to it when they have something to update, but they don't do a good job of educating users. You have to really dig into the site to learn about certain types of information. So the person who's asked this question, I recommend highly that you go in and look at the how-tos and the frequently asked questions on the Dropbox site. There's a lot of really good information there, and I think you should go and, and take a look uh, if you have other questions. One thing that that I didn't know until recently about Dropbox is that it automatically keeps a snapshot of every change you make to a document for 30 days. So all those changes are there for 30 days and then it deletes them. So if you accidentally delete a file from your laptop or your desktop or whatever, you can go to the Dropbox website and retrieve the file, recover it. What you need to do is you once you get into the Dropbox site, you need to click the tab and, that says show deleted files. Um, once you click that, then it's going to show you every file that's been deleted. Then, then all you have to do is select the file you want to restore. Once you select it, you pull the, click the pull-down menu right next to it and select previous versions. It's going to give you a list of all the changes that you made within the last 30 days, and then you can restore any version that you want to restore. It'll show whether it's active or whether it's been deleted. Um, something I just learned about actually from, I think it was the Lifehacker website, is that Dropbox also provides a local cache on your laptop of deleted items, but only for a specific period of time. It is a hidden file. It's in your Dropbox folder. And I think that if you enable the ability to see your hidden files, the name of the file is, is dot Dropbox cache, all one word, Dropbox cache, C-A-C-H-E. Within your Dropbox, it gets automatically cleaned out every so often. Uh, but if you catch it in time, um, you can recover it there with ha having to go to the web interface. Uh, you can also restore previous versions of files that you haven't deleted by going to the web interface or actually just highlight within your Dropbox on your laptop um, any file on your in your local folders, right-click, and then select previous versions from the Dropbox menu. So hope that helps to answer that question. Dennis, your thoughts on this or other Dropbox issues? 
No, I mean, that's a a couple of thoughts. I mean, that's a great answer, Tom. And I, I think that part of it is you need to kind of think through what you're doing and say, if you have a habit of doing those sorts of things um, or needing those sort of back versions, you might want to save the older versions locally on the, the computer you work with most often uh, before uploading a, you know, a final version, so to speak, to, to Dropbox. So you can, you, you may build in some some process. But I, I really commend the question because I think when you're working with these new sorts of tools, the more basic question you have, um, and if you can understand what happens then, you really start to understand the service, you know, a lot better. So so this is, to me, just a great question that says, wow, this is, in a way, it may feel like a stupid question or something, but it's so basic. You say, this is what I really want to understand. You know, what happens here? How is this automatic? Is it automatically, uh, you know, backed up or or how does that work? Or is it like something like a Google Docs where maybe there's a revision history that I can go back to? But once you start to say, how, if I get the answer to those basic questions, I understand how that service works. And, I, and then I can see where the real dangers are or if that actually works the way I will work. Or I want to try a different service. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And it's not a stupid question at all. And and most of these services and Dropbox is one, they do provide a lot of information at the site. They don't, I think, do a very good job of getting it out there. And so again, any Dropbox listeners, let me know. I, I, I'd love for you to update your blog a lot more often. Before we go on to our parting shots, uh, let's have a word from Firm Manager from LexisNexis, a leading provider of information and business solutions. Try it out free at myfirmmanager.com slash LTN. Thanks for tuning into our program today. We want to let you know about something extraordinary happening in the legal industry. Right now, hundreds of independent attorneys just like yourself are working to bring a very special product to market. These attorneys are part of a development program at LexisNexis, and they are working under NDA on a brand new application that will change the way you run your practice. This solution... LexisNexis Firm Manager is a web-based, highly secure application operating in SAS 70 Type 2 attested data centers. If you are interested in test driving LexisNexis Firm Manager at no charge, or to learn more, visit www.myfirmmanager.com slash LTN. If you like listening to the Kennedy Mile Report, you might also like the podcast, Law Technology Now on LegalTalkNetwork.com. And now it's time for our parting shots, that one tip, website, or observation you can use the second this podcast ends. Tom, take it away. Well, at the risk of, uh, of, of giving a, a, a parting shot that's going to go away and be just a, a uh, a flash in the pan, I'm going to recommend Google+. Plus. Google+, Plus is Google's new social network that uh, was unveiled within the last day or so as we record this podcast. And uh, I've, I've, I got an invitation and I've been exploring and it looks a lot like Facebook. And people may say, why would I want to be on Google+, another social network instead of Facebook or something else? And uh, right now, I've given up all of my invitations and so it's still in limited use for people. But once it opens up, I think you should take a look at it. One thing that I think is really interesting is, unlike Facebook, it gives you the ability to segregate out the groups that you want to send things to. So you can send certain th- share certain things with your family 
family, certain things with friends, certain things with business associates, if you want to do it that way. You can set up unlimited numbers of groups and share the information that you share based on that. And that's something that Facebook just hasn't gotten uh, very well done. But if you're interested in knowing more about it, just go to google.com slash plus, P-L-U-S, don't put a plus sign. And uh, I think you can sign up there to be notified when invites are available. Um, There are other places to to get invites, but uh, I expect that they'll be opening up to broader groups uh, within the next few weeks or months. Dennis. Well, Tom, and thanks for the Google Plus invitation. Uh, already feeling overwhelmed by social media as it is. Um, as You're we welcome. As we talked about early in the podcast. So yet one more thing. It's kind of interesting, just as an aside, I had a conversation with one of the young people at work yesterday who essentially said, and, and I'll paraphrase him here, I don't understand why you old people use Twitter and all these things when Facebook will do everything that you think you can do in those other services. And I, I sort of think that if you're already in one platform, then it makes sense to stay there. So I'm curious where Google Plus will end up. I don't know whether it's going to be another Google, Google Wave, Google Google Buzz, who knows. I agree. So, but my part, my parting shot is uh, Gutenberg.org. So that's G-U-T-E-N-B-E-R-G.org. And when people get e-readers, which are in- incredibly popular, I mean, the stats of people buying these things are, that have come out recently are pretty amazing. Um they're always struggling like, well, what books do I buy? How do I know whether I'm going to like it? This sort of thing. And so it's good to find sources of, of free books and, and free you know, e-books that you can experiment to see whether you even like the device or the experience. And so Gutenberg.org is, is something that's been around for a long time. And the idea is, was to take great works of literature that are in the public domain and have people kind of type them up sort of a, in a crowdsourced way. And so it's a great uh, resource. And there are thousands of books out there. And the great thing is they're available in the Kindle format and other e-reader formats. Simple download, put it onto your Kindle. And then, um, you know, especially if you're an English major, are there some old, you know, some of these old classic books that you would love to read? Uh, the Sherlock Holmes stories, that sort of thing. So when you get, uh, if you have an e-book reader and you're not convinced that you've used it enough or you have have a new one, you want to try some books for free to see whether you like it, um, Gutenberg.org is really a great resource to get you started with some free, great books to read. Gutenberg is definitely an oldie, but a goodie. Good tip, Dennis. So that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mall Report. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast at the Legal Talk Network site or in iTunes. And if you have questions or suggestions for upcoming episode topics, please email us at tkmreport at gmail.com. So until the next podcast, I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy, and you've been listening to the Kennedy Mile Report on the Legal Talk Network, the premier online legal media network. Take your first step toward non-marketing uses of social media by subscribing to this podcast in iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. Check out Dennis and Tom's book, The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, Smart Ways to Work Together, from ABA Books or Amazon. And join us every other week for another edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, only on the Legal Talk Network.